You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Um, I heard about a flight instructor that was uh, sitting next to one of the students in this uh, small engine plane, and the student was um, being asked to kind of um, make his first landing. And um, the instructor said, well, I, I think it's time for you uh, to, uh, uh, to take her in for a landing. And he said, are you ready to go? Are you ready to go down? And the student said, yeah, no problem, let's do it. So as they're approaching the runway, the instructor looked at the student and just kind of noticed how calm he was. And he said, normally, you know, students who are coming in for the first landing, you know, they're pretty nervous, you know, they're wide-eyed, they're fidgeting, you know, they're sweating bullets. But he said, this, this young man, as he looked at him, he said he was just cool, cool as a cucumber. And the instructor thought to himself, I cannot believe how calm this young man is. He's going to make a great pilot. But then the plane hit the runway with a thud, and it, it bounced up off of the runway up into the air about 50 feet and uh, ran off the runway, and it landed upside down in a cornfield. The instructor, still strapped in his seat upside down, looked at the student, and he said, son, that was the worst landing any student of mine has ever made. And the student said, me? I thought you were landing the plane. (laughs) Now, that young pilot may not have been in control of the plane, but he was in control of himself. And that is the essence of self-control. For self-control is when you are in control when everything around you is not. You ever felt like that? You just feel like you're in a place where everything around you just seems out of control, but for some odd reason, you kind of feel a peace. You kind of just feel a confidence. You kind of just feel maybe you're in a, in a place of, of just rest. And today we're gonna finish up the series that we've been working our way through um, on looking at the fruit of the Spirit that Paul writes about there in Galatians chapter five, verse 22. And he said, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Now, we've looked at the first eight. Uh, We've gone through those, and I want to conclude the series this morning by talking about that very last one there, self-control. Now, if you look around, you know, your culture, you look around the workplace, you look around pretty much anywhere, you'll kind of notice today that we are living in a culture that is mostly barren of any forms of self-control. We're living in a society that just seems to be increasingly more and more out of control, and not just in the United States, but you can kind of just see this sense of out of controlness throughout the world. Americans are among the most indebted people on earth, with household averaging debt of about probably 145,000. Now this is doubled in the last decade. We don't talk about the national debt 
or the national deficit in terms of billions of dollars anymore. Rather, now to talk about the national debt, we use terms like trillions. And the national debt for the United States is almost $29 trillion. Now, if you're anything like me, uh, for me to try to wrap my mind around the concept um, of a trillion dollars is kind of hard for me to do. I mean, I can think, you know, 10, I can think, you know, 100, 1,000, but boy, you start talking about billions and trillions of dollars, it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around how much that is. So let me, let me give you this. If you were to receive a million dollars every day, say every day, every day. If you were to receive a million dollars every day beginning the day Jesus Christ was born until today, you would not have reached one trillion yet. One million dollars every day from the day Jesus was born till now, you would not have reached a trillion dollars. As a matter of fact, you won't reach a trillion dollars until October of 2737, over 700 years from now. One trillion dollars, isn't that staggering? Think of it this way. In this first picture, we see a guy standing there next to one million dollars in hundred dollar bills. Next picture shows the same guy standing next to a pallet of one billion dollars in one hundred dollar bills, each pallet containing a hundred million dollars. The next picture shows $1 trillion in $100 bills, and notice the pallets are double stacked, and you can barely see the guy standing next to it. It's hard to wrap our minds around a trillion dollars, and yet we have a government right now that isn't talking about a trillion dollar deficit, we're talking trillions of dollars in deficits, almost 29 to be exact. And our uh, current administration is pushing a $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill, and this after just signing into law a $1.9 trillion relief bill this past March. If this isn't out of control, then I don't know what out of control is. Many Americans are like the professional golfer, Doug Sanders, who once said, I'm working as hard as I can to get my life and my cash to run out at the same time. If I can die right after lunch on Tuesday, everything will be fine. <laughs> the credit card debt alone that we have in this country dwarfs the gross national product of many small nations. A lack of self-control can lead to financial devastation, and not just individually, but nationally as well. Our society is really, in a lot of ways, physically out of control. Did you know that every day in America, we eat 75 acres of pizza? 53 million hot dogs, ugh. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I loved hot dogs. I don't know what age I got to where just the thought of a hot dog is just gross. Um, so anyway, 53 million hot dogs, 167 million eggs, three million gallons of ice cream, three tons of candy. Now, I'm not, I'm on that, right? Huh? 
Okay, yeah, 3,000 tons. I'm kind of jacked up on uh, uh, aspirin, so I kind of, I feel like I'm here and yet not here, so thanks for your help there, Daniel. Now, we spend over $2 million on exercise equipment. We spend over $3 million, uh, like $3,561,000 on tortilla chips. You're welcome there, Stan. Over 10 million on potato chips. Uh, Americans drink on the average of about 524 uh, million servings of Coca-Cola. We eat over two million donuts, and yet 101 million adults are on diets. Now, California pathologist Tom Bazier said that based on the autopsies he has performed, he said two out of every three deaths are premature. And he said they're related to what we call a loafer's heart, smoker's lung, and a drinker's liver. Recent studies from the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta say that nearly 60% of adults do not exercise regularly. Now, the the word exercise, uh, like the word discipline, it really kind of irritates some people, right? One man said, whenever I think about exercising, I sit down and rest until the feeling goes away. We, a lot of us probably do that, don't we? Unfortunately, that's why many people, again, die uh, sooner rather than later. Our society is not just financially, it's not just physically out of control. We're emotionally out of control. Our cities have become battlegrounds. Our schoolyards have become shooting fields. Road rage has now become all too common on streets and highways we travel. You'd better be careful because if you blow your horn at someone, they may shoot their gun at you. Children are now shooting children as well as teachers for for seemingly no reason whatsoever. I recently saw in North Carolina, there were over 150 rounds shot into a residential house, killing a three-year-old and severely injuring another small child. The police believe that this was just a group of high school students and said there appears to be no motive. Can you imagine that? 150 rounds being shot into a house just randomly. Shootings and killings are a common occurrence every weekend in Chicago. It's no surprise to many of us that our society is morally bankrupt and it just seems like it's just spinning more and more out of control and more rapidly. Crime is skyrocketing all across the country as more and more cities defund their police or they're really working to try to restrict uh, their abilities to do their jobs. Some cities now are requiring shoplifters that, um, that they have to have $1,000 or more worth of merchandise before the police will even respond. So you have video now of people just going in and just grabbing up tons of stuff, and as long as it doesn't amount to $1,000, they just walk out the door and there's no consequences. Then these thieves turn around and they'll find them that they're selling the merchandise online for cash. Drug and alcohol use are at an all-time high as people are becoming more and more depressed by their diminishing uh, and hopeless prospects. Males who believe they are females and females who believe they are men. I saw a video not too long ago that involved a transgendered man and woman. 
One was a biological male who now identified as a female, and a biological female who now identified as a male, and they were married to each other. Are, are you following me? Do I need to go over that again? I mean, I, sometimes I gotta read these stories two or three times to try to figure out what is going on here. So anyway, so they're uh, biological male, biological female, they're both transgendered, and they're married to each other. So the transgendered male who has the body parts of a female had a baby. And the video showed the transgendered female who has the body parts of a male actually expressing his disappointment at not being able to produce milk as the baby tried to latch on to his breast. This used to be treated in society as insanity. Whereas now it is looked upon as virtuous. All of this points to a world that is growing more and more out of control. Proverbs 25, 28 said, a man without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. Now in Solomon's day, every city was fortified with thick stone walls. And usually these cities were built um, with you know, fortifications that followed the natural contour of the land, and their only real source of defense, their main source of defense, were the walls. And any time those walls were ever breached or those walls came down, that city would become absolutely defenseless. And the Bible says, without the walls of self-control, an individual, a city, a state, and a nation is totally defenseless and easy prey for the enemy. Whether it's playing a musical instrument, whether it's mastering a computer program, learning a foreign language, any worthwhile endeavor, it demands, it requires, it needs self-control control. Perhaps that's why Aristotle called self-control the hardest victory. But it really is the difference between victory and defeat in the game of life. For if you defeat, crucify self, you win. But if self controls you, you lose. Self-control is defined by this world as the idea of self in control, self in charge. I call the shots. I'm the boss. I do my own thing. No one tells me what to do. I do what I want to do. That's the world's definition of self-control. This understanding and practice of self-control is a surefire guarantee for frustration and ultimately failure. Proverbs 16.32 says, it is better to be patient than powerful, it is better to have self-control than to conquer a city. The Bible kind of looks at and really kind of defines self-control as not self-in-control, but rather self-under-control. Self-control, as the Bible presents it, is when a believer comes under the control, the power, the influence of the Holy Spirit, allowing God to live more and more of his life in us and through us, and thereby empowering us with the virtues and character we need to victoriously live the Christian life. Many of the problems we see in our own lives and in the lives of those around us are mainly because there is self in control rather than self under 
control of the Holy Spirit. It's like, I wanna just quickly look at a few things here this morning. I wanna be able to say uh, to you this morning, self-control is not self-confidence. Okay, big difference. You'll never be totally free of self in this life. And there's times where we're constantly kind of having to battle self and we're, we're always working to try to crucify uh, self. And it's always gonna try to rear its head in our lives. But it's important to strive to be as free of self as possible if you're gonna make progress in your walk and in your relationship with God, if you're gonna be able to fight this good fight victoriously. And there's a danger to that progress in our relationship with God, and it's called self. And there really is no middle ground. Either we surrender control to the lordship of Jesus Christ, or self will control and it will dominate you. We either crucify self, die to self, or self will rule over us. And sadly, we live in a society that is just saturated with self. I think one of the areas where we struggle the most um, in self-control is in our words. I mean, you know, we know where James kind of talks about, you know, again, how small the tongue is and yet how much damage the tongue can actually do. And I was really, you know, kind of reminded, you know, just this whole aspect, you know, of self-control. And I kind of was thinking about you know, for me, one of the areas where I oftentimes felt like I struggled with, you know, being able to control my, my tongue or being able to kind of control uh, the things that I would, would say was on Facebook. You know, I, I had a Facebook account. I, I, you know, deleted it over a year ago. But there was a point in time where I could get on Facebook and, and I would read a comment that somebody made and I would just start just being so upset at that comment that they, that they had made. Or I would, you know, be following somebody who would say something and then that person would just be viciously attacked for doing nothing more than just expressing a belief, an opinion. And it wouldn't be anything controversial. It could be something very uh, simple. It could just be something very mundane, but somebody felt the need to kind of attack them. And, and I would just get so upset, you know, and, and there would just be times where I would put things and write things on Facebook um, just out of the, this place of just being so frustrated and, and so angry at what was being said or, or the comments that were being made. And, and it kind of came to a point where I just had to realize, you know what, I need to get off of this. I mean, this was, this was, I mean, I was getting to a point where, you know, I was, you know, uh, not sleeping, you know, I, I would just kind of be churning those thoughts over and over in my head, and I, I would, you know, like want to throat punch people, and, you know, I just knew that this is not a good witness, this, you know, and so I, I just had made the decision, you know what, I just need to get off of this, because I didn't feel like I had the self-control to be able to uh, engage in ways where I thought it was healthy. And so I would just, you know, oftentimes uh, when I'm talking with people and they're sharing with me their frustration, you know, on Facebook and kind of their reactions, you know, and the, the feelings that, you know, they're having. And, you know, and I just kind of share with them, you know, this just may be an indicator that you need to get off of Facebook. 
I mean, you know, if it's, if it's creating this kind of uh, um, angst, if it's creating this kind of attention, if it's kind of create, maybe you just need to think about getting off um, for a while. You know, maybe take a 30-day break, you know, and then at the end of that 30 days, evaluate that. See how you feel. And maybe you'll kind of come to the conclusion I came with. You know what? I, I just don't need this in my life. Um, so maybe that's an area for some of you where you struggle uh, with self-control. It's just, it's just, you know, maybe you don't have the capacity uh, to be able to have the kind of self-control you need uh, to be on there. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, so I just always kind of encourage people, especially that are struggling um, in those kind of social media platforms, maybe you just really kind of need uh, to take a break on that. I've been working on uh, my dog training, and so I've been reading kind of a lot of really interesting uh, materials and trying to understand how best to do that. It's just so interesting. You know, you get um, people that, you know, kind of do dog training for a living, and it's just really interesting how you can read somebody's um, process of how they do that. You just think, man, that, that is just right on. And, you know, they'll say things, um, you know, what you need to do, what you don't need to do. And, you know, you're just kind of like thinking, okay, yeah, that, that, that's right. And then you can go to somebody else who's just as qualified, and they'll say the exact opposite. And so I've been kind of reading all of these uh, different um, articles, and there's just, again, a lot of ideas out there. And everyone thinks their approach is best. So I ran across this paragraph a couple of weeks ago, and I thought it was really interesting as I kind of read through that several times and kind of applied it to what we're talking about here this morning. Again, just that, that challenge um, and, and that battle that we have uh, with self and self-control. And here's kind of what, what the article said. It says, every animal of the planet has an alpha or a beta relationship with every other animal. We usually think of beta as submissive and beaten down, but in wild packs or herds, that's not the case. The beta dog in a pack of wild dogs is still quite happy and lives a good life. So your dog should live the comfortable life while remaining in the beta position. Your dog will be quite happy being beta as long as you show the dog that being beta is a good way to live. In dog terms, you are the alpha giving your dog everything it needs to survive. And so again, you just kind of take that and correlate that, you know, that in our relationship with God, you know, there's nothing wrong uh, because God gives us the good life. So he's the Lord, we are his servants. Um, and so again, as God provides us with the good life, we think, hey, there's nothing wrong with you being Lord and me kind of being servant. It goes on and says, the essentials of food, shelter, and most importantly, companionship are provided by you. For those things, your dog will work and be happy as long as you demonstrate that you won't submit to challenges. To be sure, the beta dog will present regular challenges in hopes of gaining the alpha position. We do that all the time, right? So we'll kind of, you know, we'll, we'll surrender to the lordship of Jesus until there's an issue that comes along and we kind of think, oh, I know better or I've got a better plan here, so I'm gonna challenge the lordship of Jesus. I'm gonna try to take control of this particular area of my life. And so self is always gonna try to just raise up and to kind of give 
a challenge. And he said, some of the challenges are subtle. Those are the ones you must pay attention to while training your dog. If you win the small battles, the big fights will be much easier to handle. Dogs see the world in black and white. To your dog, either you're in control or it is. There's no middle ground. Now, there's a lot of spiritual applications you can make there, as well as similarities when it really kind of comes down to the struggle each of us faces when it comes to the battle of self versus submitting to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Either Jesus is completely in control of your life and he's in control of every part of your life, or he's not. There's no middle ground. And as I said, that, that self in us is always going to mount challenges, Christ, in hopes of luring us out from under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And for the most part, those challenges oftentimes are very subtle. Our flesh, our self, doesn't die easily, and it's always trying to lure us back into taking control. There, now I'm done comparing you to dogs, okay? <laughs> now again, selfism has kind of one commandment, and that commandment is, I am the Lord my God. I shall have no strange gods before me. And again, we see this emphasis on self even in our vocabulary. And I found this interesting. If you're like most Americans, you know 10 to 20,000 words out of a possible 600,000 words in the English language. But you only use half the words you know in everyday conversation, according to the Idea Management Company. 25% of the average American speech is made up of only 10 basic words. Stop and think about that. A mere 50 words makes up 60% of our speaking vocabulary. And the most common words are you, the, a, but the word we use most often is I. As Pogo said, we have met the enemy and the enemy is us. Now you compare this to what Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, said, then Jesus said to all of them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and follow me. Now see, society says deify yourself, Jesus says deny yourself. And you look at uh, there in Galatians 5 where Paul's talking about the fruit of the Spirit and before he gets into that, he kind of gives us a, a, a bird's eye view of the characteristics of a society where self is in control. And, and Paul kind of speaks of that as the works of the flesh. And that word flesh there is a synonym for self. And Paul kind of identifies there some characteristics in four words. First of all, he says there's going to be immorality. When self is in control, when we're walking in the, the uh, works of the flesh, there's just inevitably, at some point eventually, there's going to come immorality. And when Paul speaks of the flesh there in Galatians 5, he refers to things like adultery and fornication. So there's going to be immorality. And then he says there's going to be indecency, and, and he talks of lewdness. And then he says there's gonna be idolatry, and, and Paul speaks of that specifically there in verse 20. And then you can categorize all of the other things that follow there 
under iniquity or sin. And again, that is just one of the dangers of self-confidence. The second truth is self-control involves self-crucifixion. Paul says in verse 24, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now that is the result of self-control. There's only one way to bring self under control, and that is self must die. We must allow the flesh to be crucified. Someone has well said the last enemy destroyed in the believer is self. It dies hard. It will make any concession if allowed to live. Self will permit the believer to do anything, give anything, sacrifice anything, suffer anything, be anything, go anywhere, take any liberties, bear any crosses, afflict soul and body to any degree, anything if it can only live. It will consent to live in a hovel, in a garret, in the slums, in faraway hedendom, if only its life can be spared. And I believe there's one verse in the Bible that gives the real key to self-control, and it's what Paul says in Galatians 2.20, and Paul says there, I, and again he's referring to the self, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I, self who lives, but Christ lives in me, and the life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I love A.W. Tozier, it's great books. He said it best when he said, self is one of the toughest plants that grow in the garden of life. It is, in fact, indestructible by any human means. Just when we are sure it is dead, it turns up somewhere as robust as ever to trouble our peace and poison the fruit of our lives. The victorious Christian neither exalts nor downgrades himself. His interests have simply shifted from self to Christ. What he is or is not no longer concerns him. He believes that he has been crucified with Christ and he is not willing either to praise or depreciate such a man. The third truth is self-control is about timing. It, it, it involves timing. I love Ecclesiastes 3, and it says, now there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. And then the writer there in Ecclesiastes goes on and he kind of lists uh, a number of particular expressions of life. Um, and he kind of talks there in Ecclesiastes 3, 4, in the ebb and flow of life, he said, there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. He says in verse seven, there's a time to keep silent and a time to speak. As I said earlier, communication or the use of words, it's one of the most important contributors to healthy relationships, whether it's communicating with our spouse, with a, a coworker, a friend, a family member, and all of us know from our own experiences, our relationships with people, there are times where we need to speak, and there are times where it's just important to remain silent, where we just need to back off and be quiet. Ever been around a person who always has to have the last word, no matter what? Ever been around a person who just can't let something go? They just continue to bring the issue up and they talk about it over and over? Proverbs 13.3 says this, self-control means controlling the tongue. 
As a matter of fact, James says that, that you'll never control your life without controlling the tongue. Self-control involves knowing when to speak and when to be silent. Many of you know the right word at the wrong time can be just as difficult as the wrong word at the right time. Self-control and timing in sync can help us to discern the right word being spoken at the right time. A lot of you have done that. You know, we, we've all been in situations where, where we've, you know, spoken a, a truth, but it was just at the wrong time. Um, and we've also had those opportunities where we've spoken the right word at the right time and what a blessing that has been and how helpful that can be to the person uh, who receives that. And again, as, uh, he writes there in verse one, there's a time for everything. There's, there's a, a season for every activity under heaven. Self-control allows us to determine when is the time right to act. You know, like when is the right time to maybe start a, a family? You know, maybe when is the right time to maybe leave one job and to be able uh, to go to uh, another? Our daughter, you know, Megan's kind of going through that in her life right now. She wants to be able to find uh, a different kind of job, but she just wants to quit one and then, you know, go and look and, and hopefully to find one. And so we were like, no, 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 no. You, this is where, you know, self-control, this is where patience comes in and, you know, and so she's, you know, we're trying to work with her to say, you know, we want you to be able to, uh, to get a different job if you feel like you want to do something different, but we want you to find something before you quit. And so, you know, again, it's, it's, it, that involves self-control. And we've all been at those places where we just want to do something uh, to, to, to get it done because we're, we're excited or we just want to move on to a new chapter uh, in life. And sometimes that impatience or that lack of self-control kind of brings some unintended uh, consequences. Self-control gives us the ability to restrain ourselves when we may be tempted to engage uh, in activities which may be destructive, you know, or at least premature. So I ask you, are there some areas in your life where your timing may be off and you just need to bring self back under God's control? Remember, we've been speaking about the fruit of the Spirit and I think you would all agree that life is most blessed when we're able to bear those, those nine fruits of love, joy, peace, uh, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. But Paul says there in verse 25, he says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. And I just want you to know, self-control is not a work, it's a walk, okay? Self-control's not a work, it's a way in which we walk. Self cannot be controlled from without, it can only be controlled within. Self-control is a matter of spirit control, and the way to control self is to surrender to the spirit's control. Let me just close with this definition of self-control. Self-control is when you are so filled, and you are just so overwhelmed uh, with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit controls the way you act or react in any given situation. It controls the way you speak, not just what you say, but when you say it. That it glorifies God, that it edifies other people. Someone has once said, God mightily uses Christians who stay cool in a hot place, sweet in a sour place, and little 
in a big place. God mightily uses Christians who stay cool in a hot place, sweet in a sour place, and little in a big place. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand this morning. And what I want to do, um, we're just going to kind of put a little bit of, um, of Spotify um, music. And so what I want to just just encourage you, and I want to I pray for, again, just uh, that we would invite the Holy Spirit just to, to come. We're just going to open our hearts. We're going to open our lives before him. How many of you know that God sees and knows everything about you more than you know about you? He does. And you know what? He loves you. He loves you unconditionally. Um, he is never going to leave you nor forsake you. So sometimes we kind of feel like we can keep the bad things hidden from God, but he sees and he knows it all. And so what I want to do is this morning, I just want to just pray, and I just want to invite God um, to just search our hearts this morning. And if there's any particular area where you're kind of, where, where you just feel like you're, you're lacking that self-control of the Holy Spirit, where you're just... It's just self out of control. You know, it's, there's no control in a particular area of your life. Maybe it's your spending. You know, maybe it's your eating. Maybe, you know, it's, it's gossiping. Um, what, wherever you just kind of feel like, you know what, there's just this area in my life where I just feel like it, it's just out of control. And what I want to do is just give you an opportunity just to invite God to come into that place and just to begin to bring self under control, that you would just begin to feel that the power and presence of God in that particular place this morning where you're kind of feeling um, that, that uh, lack of self-control. Like I said, for me, you know what? You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.